We are a friendly church, and I love that about Life Church. Come on, you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, well, once again, welcome. My name is Matt, lead pastor here at Life Church, and we're excited about what God is doing here. I'm excited about what He's about to do, um, and I'm excited about to see all of you. I believe there's no accidents here this morning. Um, again, my name is Matt. If you don't know who I am, I'm six foot five, or four-ish. And I, have, I am the proud dad of a today 10-year-old daughter. Uh, Aubrey Murray, my, my youngest daughter, is now out of the single digits. It's kind of a sad day for me as a dad. I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little bit here uh, today because uh, I love my little Breezy. Uh, I, I made her make one promise to me when she was young. I said, you're not allowed to grow anymore. You have to stay this size for the rest of your life. But she's growing into a, a beautiful young woman, um, and I'm so proud of her. And uh, yeah, so, so excited for that today. So it's a good day. Turn to somebody beside you and tell them it's a good day. It's a good day. Amen. It's a good day to be in the house of God. Wanted to welcome all those who are joining us online this morning or those who are watching afterwards. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. And this morning, I have a strong sense of expectation in my heart. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing and what he's about to do. And I'm just going to fill you in a little bit here on some back end stuff. Um, so we put together a sermon series, and many of you have been here for most of it, called Jesus in My Everything. Yeah, Jesus in My Everything. We'll be talking about, you know, Jesus in my life. We've been talking about Jesus in my fears, hopes and fears. We've been talking about Jesus in, um, you know, um, we talked about Jesus in my relationships a few weeks back. And we've been talking about this idea that Jesus, uh, the resurrected Christ, what does it mean that the resurrected Christ is living in me, and how does that impact my daily life is what we've been talking about. And so I had a schedule put together, I had a plan for this week, and on Monday we were away at a conference and we were sitting there uh, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the middle of the service and said, Matt, you're not going to speak on that. And I said, excuse me? I've got a plan here, God. You know, it's on paper. I wrote it out. I handed it out to a bunch of people. God said, no, no, you're not going to speak on that because, here's why, you need to speak a message this week because somebody needs to hear this. And the message is this, the title is this, it's Jesus in the impossible. Jesus in the impossible. And the word of God that I had on my heart today is that I don't know who you are here today, but you have the faith that you need inside of you to face your mountain. You have the faith that you need inside of you to face your mountain. Let's just read the scripture that we've been reading for Jesus in, the, in my everything. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. And this is what it says. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the New King James Version. We have another version up there. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you, the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of his glory. So we believe and we trust that Jesus Christ, the risen King, is dwelling inside of us. And this is our hope of glory. It's not us. It's him living in us. And then today our text is going to be Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. If you have your Bibles, you might want to just turn there so you can hang out in that spot. Um, we're going to reference it at the beginning here. We're going to read it, then I'm going to pray. Then we're going to dive into this topic today of Jesus in the impossible. And then we're going to loop back around to this passage this morning. Okay, you guys with me? Okay, so here's what it says. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 in the New King James said this. So Jesus 
said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. Lord Jesus, that you make a way where it seems to be no way, Lord God. That you are the King and Ruler and Lord. That as we heard this morning, Lord God, you are the one who brings light to the dead. Lord God, you are the one that makes a shepherd boy stand before a giant. You are the God of our hope. And, and Lord God, you are the God that we can rely on, Lord Jesus. So, Father, today I pray, Lord God, that as we speak these words, Lord God, that I, I speak these words, you'd help me to get out of the way. God, I thank you that you have a message this morning, Lord God, that you want to speak. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you'd help me to articulate it well, to speak directly and clearly, Lord God, and concisely the things that you have to say. God, we come with great expectations because we serve the great and mighty God. And, Lord, we thank you this morning for what you're about to do. We pray that not one person would leave this place the same, but, God, that we would all be changed by your word. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So the question that we're asking this morning is, what does it mean to have the resurrected Christ living in me? And how does this truth impact my daily life in the face of impossible circumstances? In the face of impossible circumstances. You see, I found in life as I'm, you know, relatively young, but now getting a little bit older, kind of at that mid-range uh, stage of life, that it is very likely that life will toss your way some impossible circumstances. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Things that come your way that just seem like there's no possible way you can get through this. Maybe it's the report of a doctor. Maybe it's a relationship that has uh, fractured and, and seems like it's impossible for it to be uh, reconciled. Maybe, maybe it's a job situation that you found yourself. Maybe it's a mistake that you've made. Maybe it's something, a, a sin that you've committed. You just, you just feel like there's no possible way that I could get past this. The enemy loves to put you into positions where you feel like it's impossible. He loves to keep you in a sense of despair and hopelessness. The Bible tells us in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And his, his modus operandi is confusion and hopelessness. I know that there can be many times in life where it can feel like there's no way forward. But Jesus here is telling us that if we just had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and that nothing will be impossible for you. See, there's an ingredient that Jesus mentions here to help us to get through these impossible circumstances. There's an ingredient, if we were to ask the question, how do we face our mountain? How do we get through our impossible circumstances? And that ingredient that he mentions is the ingredient of faith. Now, what is faith? Faith, I love to define it this way, based on the scriptures from Romans 10:17 and James 2:20, is agreeing with God and showing that you agree with God by the way you live your life. Faith is agreeing with God. You know, um, God told Abraham, I want you to get up from the land that you're living in. I want you to go to the land that I'm calling you to and sojourn there and go there and I will show you what you will do next. And Abraham said, okay, that's the word of God. I agree. And then he showed his faith by getting up and moving out of the land that he was in to a new land. God said to Noah, 
I want you to build a boat out of wood that's going to float. Moses said, what's that? Never seen that before. He said, it's a bunch of wood put together. I'm going to tell you how to build it, and it's going to float. Why does it need to float? There's no water, because it's going to rain. What's rain? Drops of water, lots of them. Okay. And so Noah heard the word of God, and he agreed with God. Okay, I'm going to do it. And he showed his agreement by putting it to action. Right? That's how faith works. We hear the word of God, and we choose to agree with the word of God, and we show that by the way that we live our lives. Right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. The only way to get to the Father is through me. And we go, okay, I'm going to trust Jesus for my salvation. And then I'm going to live out of the trust that I have put into Jesus Christ. And there's going to be evidence of it in my life. Faith is agreeing with God and then living a life that shows that agreement. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. James 2.20 says this, but do, you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So not only is it hearing God and agreeing with Him, but it's putting that into practice. There's evidence in your life that you are living by faith. Today I want to talk to you about the size of faith that you need to move a mountain in your life. And the question is this, what type of faith do you have to have in order to face the impossible? What kind of faith do you have to have? And in order for us to, to touch on this idea, we're going to actually go back to the origin story of one of the great uh, uh, heroes of our faith. We're going to talk today about the story of Moses as a, a, to give us a little bit of a context and, and a background that we can use to talk about this idea of what type of faith do you have to have in order to face the impossible. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Moses. Do you all remember who Moses is? Anybody ever seen Prince of Egypt before? Moses was an Israelite. He was born in Egypt during a time of genocide. The Pharaoh had become intimidated by uh, the, the people of Israel as they were multiplying on the earth, and he began to oppress them and put them into slavery. And he said, listen, in fact, this is getting so bad that we need to do something about it. So he told the midwives that if the, the, if the Israelite women gave birth, if they gave birth to a, a little boy, they were to kill it right there. And if they gave birth to a little girl, then that they could live. But the midwives feared the Lord. And so they began to disobey Pharaoh. Uh, but many, many, I'm sure many boys were, were likely killed. And, and because of this situation that Moses' mother uh, found, himself, found herself in, uh, she gave birth to Moses. They were able to hide the baby. But it got to the point where they could no longer hide him. So they chose to, to, instead of giving him back up to, to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians, that they would do something about it. So she created a, a basket with pitch around it, and she put the baby in the basket, and she put him out into the Nile River. And, and so the baby went down the river and floated in the river, past the crocodiles, around whatever was out there. And, and, and uh, Moses' uh, sister ran beside it to keep an eye on the basket. And wouldn't you know it, but the basket showed up right at the feet of the princess of Egypt. And she opened up the basket and looked inside, and the baby started to cry. And she, the Bible said that she had compassion on the child. And she said, oh, I, this, this must be one of the Hebrew children. I, I'm going to let him live. And, and wouldn't you know, Miriam, her, the big sister ran up and said, hey, do you want me to go get somebody from the Israelites to, to nurse the child so we can bring it to you when he's ready? And, and, and she said, yes, please do that. So it's so great how God did that and brought Moses right back in to his own home so that he could be raised up as an infant 
to the point where he was ready to go back to the palace. And when the time was right, they, they put him back and they, they brought him back to the palace. Uh, the princess named him Moses, which means drawn from the water. And Moses was raised up with the, with the great education system of Egypt. He had a place of prominence and power. And um, it was very likely, we can, we can anticipate that it was likely that he recognized that this place was unique. I wonder if he ever thought as he was growing up, there must be a destiny on me. You know, this is unique. I was born and raised in a position of power for such a time as this. I wonder if that thought ever crossed his mind. And we think that it may have because eventually he began to notice how oppressed his people were, the Israelites. He wanted to do something about it. So the Bible tells us he went out and he found uh, that there was a, 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 a guard that was mistreating some of the Israelites and he got really angry about it. He thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some justice to this. That's the position that I've been put in. So he waited until there was nobody else around and he killed the guard. And he put him, and he, the Bible says he buried him in the sand in the hope that nobody would notice it. But of course, it, he was found out. The Bible says that Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses because of what he had done. So what did Moses do? He fled into the wilderness. Have you ever felt like you're doing your best? That you're trying so hard to serve God, you're doing everything that you can to glorify Him with your marriage, with your family, with all the things around you, and it just feels like every time you try something, it just backfires on you? You ever found yourself in a position where you feel like you need to run away and you need to hide because of something that's gone on in your life? Well, Moses can relate to that because, in, in fact, he does run away. And he ends up in the Midianite desert he meets the priest of the Midianites, and he marries the daughter of the priest, Korah, and he becomes a shepherd. And this man of great destiny, of great opportunity, of great power, that he was so full of potential, finds himself wasting away on the back ends of the desert in Midian. A shepherd. Shepherding the flocks of sheep of his father-in-law, not even his own sheep. And so there's Moses, 40 years in the desert, wandering, watching the sheep. Obviously his dreams are probably died by now. His, his, his hopes have probably been crushed by the situations of life. And as he's walking one day, you know, I can picture he's walking by and there's a bush that's burning. I'm sure that's a common thing in the desert with the heat and all that other stuff. And so there's a bush that's burning and he's yeah, okay, that's cool, whatever, bush is burning. He's walking. Maybe it's like there's a little lamb that starts running back behind him. And so he goes back to try and, you know, shepherd it back into position, back into place with the, with the flock. And, 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 and as he looks up, he realizes, oh, it's burning. Wait, it's, it's, it's burning. Oh, it's still burning. Oh, that's weird. So he, he leaves the sheep, starts walking towards the, the bush. The Bible says that in, in the midst of the bush was the angel of the Lord. That's just a little bit of interesting theology. Some people believe that when it talks about the angel in the capital in the Old Testament, it's actually talking about something called a Christophany, where it's a pre-messianic uh, uh, appearance of Jesus. It doesn't matter whether it was that or not. It's God in the midst of the bush. And he walks up towards the bush, and as he's walking towards the bush, suddenly a voice comes from the bush and says, Moses! He says, the ground that you are standing on is holy. Remove your shoes. So Moses removes his shoes. And he walks towards the bush. And God begins to speak to him about a vision from the midst of the bush. 
He says, listen, I've heard the cries of your people. I've heard the cries of the Israelites. And I'm going to go and I'm going to deliver them. And I'm going to set them free from their slavery. And I'm going to set them free from their oppression. And I'm going to use you to do it. Now Moses, the man who had, for 40 years, had his dreams crushed in the desert, doesn't know how to respond to this. And so he looks at, at God, he responds to God, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he says, uh, Jesus, God says to him, I'll certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. And then he goes on to tell him more about the things he's going to do. And then Moses again responds to God, and he says, listen, who am I? He says, how, how are people going to even know that, 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 that came from you? What if they don't listen to me? And God says to him, what do you have in your hand? And Moses goes, well, I don't know, I got a, I got a stick. And God says, drop it on the ground. And it turns into a snake. And I love how it says it in the Bible, Moses ran away. <laughs> you just picture the snake. Yeah, anyways, I think that's hilarious. So Moses runs away, and, uh, and God says, okay, go back, pick it up. He picks it up and it turns back into a staff. He says, now, one more thing. I want you to put your hand in your bosom. Okay, put his hand down there. Pull it out. It turns into a leprous hand. It's all white and leprous. <laughs> and God says, okay, put it back in. Okay, he puts it back in. And he pulls it out. And it's all clean. It's all ready. Okay, so that's the other thing I'm going to do for you. Okay, and he goes on to keep telling about all the things he's going to do. And then he says, Moses says, okay, but my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Like, I can't speak very well. I've got a little bit of stutter. I haven't talked for a long, long time. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the desert and, and my speech is very slow. The Lord says to him, who made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing to, uh, or the blind? Not I. Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to say. And finally Moses agrees with God. And he goes and accomplishes the things that God's called him to do. If you don't know of this story, you're welcome to watch the Prince of Egypt. It's a wonderful cartoon. Or read it in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, all the way through. Uh, in, the, in this story in particular, is Exodus 2, uh, uh, chapter 2 to chapter 4. But there we have Moses, this man of God, getting his call, his origin story, as he steps out into the, the plans of God. And what can we gather from that today? What can we glean from that today? What can we understand about that today? And I want to pull out three points today about faith that I felt like God wanted me to pass on to you. As you face your impossible circumstance, Moses was seeing this as an impossibility. It was a dream that had been crushed. It was a dream that had been completely decimated. And he was living in a place of desolation and despair. And God came to restore his vision and to tell him that he could face the thing that he had always thought he couldn't face. What is that impossible circumstance in your life? What is that thing in you today as you, you came into this place that you're facing? And how can we face it? I want to pull up three points about faith from this, this story today. Here's the first one. Sometimes you will not see the results of faith until you look back. Exodus 3, 11 and 12, the first time that Moses pushes back against God, he says, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Isn't it interesting the first thing he does is looks at himself? He sees his own insecurities, he sees his own inferiority complex, that he is not enough, that he can't do what God has called him to do. And he says, who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
And God said to him, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was the promise that God gave me, I might feel a little bit gypped. God says, how are you, you going to know it? Well, when the whole thing's done, then you're going to know that I was with you. Right? You know, when, when all this is over, when you've done all the hard work, and you've done all the things that you're not sure if you can do right now because you're feeling so insecure, that's when you're going to know. So, just do it. Come on, like, wait, so, wait a minute, so you just want me just to go and just do it? Like, I just need to step out and do it, and then I'm going to know? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, God. That doesn't make me feel very good, God. I feel like that's just, there's something a little bit wrong with that. The sign that God would, was with him would come with the fulfillment of the promise. When every promise was fulfilled, until then, guess what? It was a step of faith. I don't know about your circumstance or your situation today, but, but you might be saying, God, why, why don't you just remove this from me right now? Why don't you just, 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 just do it right now? Why can't you just, just change the circumstance right now? Why can't you just make this all right right now? And the word of God comes to you to say, step forward in faith. Because one day you're going to look back and you're going to know. One day you're going to look back and you're going to see the faithfulness of God. You're going to see how he kept you from that relationship. You're going to see how he kept you from that job. You're going to see how he allowed you to go through that circumstance because he created the character in you that you needed to face what you're facing right now. He's going to allow you to go through because he's going to say, uh, I, I created the compassion that you needed because now you've been through it as well. Who can know the plan of God? He is God and we are not. Listen, we are not guaranteed that facing the mountain is going to be fun. We are not guaranteed that it's going to just go snap just like that and happen. In fact, the Bible talks about this idea that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. One is say, yea, though I soar over the valley of the shadow of death and go suckers all the way through to the other side. Why is that not the, 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 the passage, right? Like, you know, that's what God does. He's the, the Holy Spirit. You seek him, you serve him, nothing's going to go wrong in your life. It's all good. No, 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 that's not true. In fact, Jesus tells us out of compassion in John 16, 33, that these things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you're going to have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. See, I can guarantee you that you're going to face some stuff in life. That you're going to go through some stuff in life. But there is a God who goes before you. And there's a God who's making a way, who's guarding and guiding your steps. And there will come a day, I promise, where you will stop and you will look back and you'll say, oh my goodness, look what God just took me through. Look what God just did. I, uh, there's a quote here. There's a man by the name of Robert Rogers wrote a book, early 2000s. Um, the story about this man is that it's a tragic story. He was a, a father of four. He had a beautiful wife. And they were caught in a flash flood. And he was the only survivor of his family. And he wrote a book after the fact about how God had been with him through the storm. And his quote is this, my faith didn't remove the pain, but it got me through the pain. Trusting God didn't diminish or vanquish the anguish, but it enabled me to endure it. 
See, what's the application here, church? What, what, what do we do with this? It means that often we need to move forward trusting God before we see the outcome. Get up. Ephesians 6 says this, when you've done all to stand, stand. And that might be a word for you today. Come on. Keep going. Take another step. What do you got today? You got breath in your lungs. You got an opportunity to glorify God with a life that is lived for Him. You got an opportunity to pick yourself up today and move forward. The righteous falls seven times but gets back up again. I love that the Bible doesn't say the righteous is always perfect. The righteous always faces the tough circumstances with a smile on their face. The righteous soars over the, the darkness. No, 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 no. Yea, though I walk through the valley of weeping, on you read this morning. Baca. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? There's evil all around us. Because he is with us. He is with us. So number one, we can know that. Sometimes you will not see the results of faith until you look back. Number two, God can work with whatever faith you have if you will offer it to him. Okay, this is the crux of it right here. This is the actual word that God gave me at the beginning of this week. He said, this is what you need to focus on. It's this idea right here. Okay, so here's what happens. So Moses goes, okay, hey, hey God, um, <laughs> excuse me, God, um, just, I love what you're saying. This is all good. I'm really excited about this idea of delivering the Israelites. I kind of had this dream like 20, 40 years ago, and you could have helped me then, but that's okay. It's all right. I'm here now. We're good. What, okay, so what if, God, hey, just, just, just curious, what if they don't, suppose, just suppose they don't believe me? Like, what if I say this, and they're like, you're crazy. Crazy guy from the back of the desert. I don't look, exactly look like them. I'm not dressed like them. What if they think I'm crazy? What if they say the Lord hasn't appeared to you? That's ridiculous. So the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? What do you have? And he says, a rod. See, often I think that we think that we need something equal in strength to combat the, 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 the impossible thing that's in front of us. In order to combat the, the mountains, we need to have something that is equal in strength. And, and the question that I asked at the beginning of this sermon was this, what kind of faith do you have to have in order to face the impossible? And so here I can picture, we go back to Matthew 17, and the analogy is this idea, the metaphor is a mountain, something that's impossible in front of you, right? So I can just picture Jesus showing up here, um, and there's like three people standing in front of him. And, 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 and so he's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about mountain-moving faith. And they're like, okay, great, God, we, let's do this. And, and the first guy is standing over here, and, and Jesus comes up to him and goes, okay, what kind of faith do you have to move mountains? And this guy's like, oh, man, I got bulldozer. Like, I got, like, monster truck bulldozer faith. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you are the bulldozer God. You can just bulldoze the mountains, and that's awesome, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. It's going to get us all the way through, and it's going to be amazing. Jesus is like, oh, that's awesome. I love bulldozer faith. So good. High five. Yeah, right on. Bulldozer faith. And the next guy's like, over here thinking about, like, what can I do that's, like, one up? I got I to gotta be, be ready for this. Like, I got to show that I'm, I got faith. And so Jesus comes up to him, and he's like, hey, what kind of faith do you have? And the guy's like, I got nuclear faith. And, 
I got nuclear faith, man. God's just gonna, he's just gonna come in, just boom. It'll just eviscerate right in front of me. It'll just evaporate and be gone. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Good faith. I love that. Jesus is like, high five, give him a hug. This guy's like, I didn't get a hug. You know, and he goes down on the line. And then you go to the third guy over here. This is some of us. Sometimes it's me. And Jesus is like, hey, so what kind of faith do you have? And you're like, well, let me see. And in your hand is a pathetic, ridiculous-looking, tiny little seed that you can barely see. And Jesus looks at you and goes, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. See, I don't know what you came in here with this morning. I don't know what kind of faith you're carrying with you this morning. Maybe you're, you got bulldozer faith. That's awesome. Jesus loves that. He responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God loves that faith. Maybe you got nuclear faith this morning. Man, God can just obliterate it. I got so much faith for this. He's just going to come and do this. It's awesome. But maybe you came here this morning, and all you had was a mustard seed. I want to encourage those today who are here who say, I'm, at, I'm living right now in mustard seed faith. For me this morning, getting out of bed was mustard seed faith. For me this morning, coming to church, maybe you're here today by faith. It's like the last thing you wanted to do, but you just felt like, I need to go to church today. Maybe that was you today. That is enough. That is enough. How much faith do you have? Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you've been fighting whatever it is that you've been fighting for, for so long, and it feels like it's impossible, and you're on the back end of a desert in Midian, and you're feeling it. You're feeling despair, and the dreams that you thought you had have been broken, have been trampled underfoot, and you've been standing there fighting for so long, and he, Jesus comes to you, and, and, and honestly, all you can say to him is, I just have this, Jesus. He says, perfect. That's all you need. So here's number three. It's not the size of the faith in your hand. It's the size of the one that you have your faith in. Come on. So then Moses goes on to complain again to God. Hey, uh, God, <laughs> that's cool. The, the snake trick was neat. That was, that was, that was good. Um, but uh, I have another problem here. <laughs> I'm inadequate. 
I just, I, I'm, I look on Instagram and I can see that everybody else has their life all together and I certainly don't. Um, I, I look around me and I just see all these people that seem so happy and I'm, I'm generally miserable. And, uh, and also, I can't talk to them. So there we go, use somebody else. And his response to Moses is this. Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute and deaf and the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you should say. Church, we must not fall into the trap of measuring based on our own understanding. Don't measure based on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. See, it's not the size of the faith that you have, church. It's the size of the God that we serve. Amen? Come on. It's the size of the God we serve. I'd love to say that I have faith the size of a nuclear bomb. That sounds so cool. I get a hug from Jesus. It'd be great. But maybe all I've got today is a mustard seed. Maybe this week, as you're going through your week and you're facing a tough situation, maybe you're in a season where you're feeling despair, or you're feeling hopelessness, I want you to remember this this week. Whatever you have, give it to Jesus. Whatever you have, give it to Him. Because He's enough. Because He is enough. The power is not in the amount of faith we have, but the power is the one within whom we put our faith. Um, Tim Keller says this, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. Zechariah 4, 6, and 7 says this, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts What does that mean? Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We trust in the mighty name of Jesus. And so I ask the question, at the beginning of the service today, which is, what does it mean to have the resurrected Christ living in me, and how does this truth impact my daily life in the face of impossible circumstances? And the answer and reply is this, it means that with Him, you have more than enough to face your impossible circumstance. Amen. Amen. And that was the word that I felt for you this morning. I'd like to invite up my beautiful wife, as well as Jasper, if you can come. And this morning, we're going to respond in a couple different ways. You know, one of the things that has been on my heart a lot lately is this idea of living in authenticity. You know, being real. We're surrounded by, you know, images that are carefully put together, managed, to try and make us see something that they want us to see. 
Jesus is not like that. Jesus is here. He's real. There's a plan for you. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to exercise your mustard seed of faith. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And we're going to do something a little different this morning. Just out of courtesy to everyone, can we all stand together? Compassion for those that are weak among us, that are struggling among us. Um, I'm wondering if we can do this. In a few moments, we're going to take the communion. Before we do that, um, I'm wondering if we can do this. If you this morning say, Matt, I'm here, and all I've got is a mustard seed. I've been struggling, I've been fighting, I've been pushing. I've been you know, doing everything I can do to try and push through, and the weight of the world has crushed you. I'm wondering this morning if we can do something different. I'm wondering if that's you, and you say, I, have that, I, I, just, I just have that mustard seed, and I need encouragement tomorrow, this morning. I need encouragement from the presence of God. I need encouragement from the body of believers. This is not a shame thing at all. This is a love thing and a compassion thing. If that's you and you say, man, I just need new encouragement today, then I'm going to actually ask you to take a step of faith and get out from your seat and come on up to the front. And we're going to let the church body gather around you and pray for you this morning. So is there anybody here this morning that say, that's me. I just, I've had a mustard seed of faith. And that word this morning was for me. Thank you, Alice. Come on forward. You know what Jesus says? That's enough. That's enough. I don't have nuclear faith today, Jesus, but I got a mustard seed. He says, that's enough. That's all I'm looking for. Just a heart that will believe. Faith is agreeing with God and letting your life show that you agree with him. Thank you. Thank you. Now, all those out there who have that heart of compassion right now, I want you to come forward and let's gather around these ones and let's pray over them. Let's pray a prayer of faith. That took faith. That took courage to step forward in authenticity. Let's gather around them. And I just want to encourage you, church, I know this is not part, has not been a part of our culture. I believe it will be part of our culture as we move forward. I want you to pray out loud. Pray a prayer of faith over them. Pray a prayer of encouragement over them. Let's believe God together that the Holy Spirit can move in this time and in this place.
Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for hope. I pray for hope to arise, Lord Jesus. Father, your hope, Lord Jesus, to just fill hearts in Jesus' name, Lord Jesus. Your hope. There's hope in this place. I pray for hope to see the impossible, to see beyond the impossible, to go beyond and see. I can see beyond it. Maybe when the eyesight has been just short-sighted, like all I see is this. Father, I pray for hope. I pray for hope in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let it, let it rise. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. Come and fill hearts with your hope. Come now in Jesus' name. Fill up your people with your hope that defies the situation that they're staring at, that defies it. There is hope that is rising up in this place that goes beyond what you can see, whatever your situation and circumstances is, whatever you're feeling right now, there is hope that will arise that goes beyond. I mean, I just got the word that there are some here, you've, um, you've been living in a lie. And the Bible's coming, the word of God is coming today to bring truth into your heart. He will lead you into all truth, is what the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit. And so we pray right now in Jesus' name, tear down those lies. Tear down the lies that have kept people back from your presence. Tear down the lies that have kept them from fulfilling the call that they have on their life. Tear them down in Jesus' name. And let there be life and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. I, I want to leave space here. I want to linger here. I don't want to have you have to rush off for any reason. So we're actually going to move the communion back a couple Sundays from now. And um, we're just going to leave this space open right now. And if you need to go, you're welcome to go. We've got coffee. We've got cookies in the back. But if you need to just linger here in the presence of God at the altar, you're welcome to stay and wait on the Lord. 
For those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. So we're going to stay up here for a little bit. Jasper and I are going to jam a little bit here on the, in the presence of God. We're just going to entertain his presence. And you're welcome to stay up here as long as you need to today to wait on the Lord. And those that were on the schedule on the prayer team, you just kind of make your way to the corner. And so if you really want to just specifically have someone pray over something, just make your way over here. There'll be a couple people that are on our prayer team. Same with online. There's a prayer team online, and if, this, if you're just feeling this too, like you need um, prayer for more faith, more vision to see through your circumstances, put it in the chat, and we'll pray for you there too. Isn't God so good? This is what happens when God's people gather. Lives are changed, and restoration happens. Transformation happens. That's what we want to be changed. Lord, just do what you want to do in us. And so, Father, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that even here, if we linger a little longer, but as we walk into our weeks this week, Lord Jesus, Father, would you be speaking to us and reminding us that it's not about us. It's all about you. It's you. We just need to look to you. You are the strong one that will carry us through, no matter how weak or how strong. We are. It doesn't matter. It's all about you. It's all about you. And help us to lean into that this week. Help us to remember. Help us to re-listen, to remind ourselves, re-listen to the sermon, to remind ourselves of who you are. Help us to read Exodus again and remember how you worked through simple, ordinary man. And you will do it in, our, in us too, in our circumstances, in our situations. We love you, Jesus. We put our whole trust in you. We want to grow deeper in our relationship with you. So take us to that place, Jesus, we pray. Bless your people this morning, Father. May their weeks, may you just speak to them as they go and work and, and school or whatever it is that is in their weeks, Father. Would you bless them and be close. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.